Hello, Michael. Oh, Hava, hello. How are you on this fine, fine evening in the middle of, I don't know what it, we're in, it's like we're on the Western front of epidemiology right now. All not quiet on the Western front. I am okay. I was on a queer Shabbat Zoom meeting a second ago, which was really beautiful, but then I got a migraine. And so then in response to that migraine, I took some migraine painkillers and drank a beer and got a little bit stoned. So this podcast will be, I'm sure, very flavored by that experience of both being in pain and crossfitted. But, you know, other than the pandemic and my personal pain and ongoing chronic health problems, I'm doing great. We have a grumpy, drugged up baby as my co-host today. We have a grumpy, drunk infant as one co-host. Michael, how are you? What is your host Sona today? My host Sona, glamorous fucking Amazon queen. Great. One of us has to be good every time. Yeah, one of us has to think too much of ourselves. And today that's me. Great. I am watching a lot of The Next Generation because it's soothing. Ugh, yeah. It's so, yeah, it's like super soothing and honestly sexy. That show was yeah. created for slash fiction. Wesley, Wesley, oh my God. Oh my oh God. Oh my gosh. The one thing I have to say, which is cause for my immediate excommunication from the Jewish people and Star Trek fans, is that I'm really into Riker which is like objectively and and sexually wrong, but I just can't resist him. He is horrible and I love it. I said this is going to be about socialism, but we should talk about TNG too. We have my friend Molly, uh, Molly Hastings. Welcome to the pod. Please introduce yourself. Hey, uh, <laughs> good to see you again. Good to see you too. I'm Molly. I live uh, several blocks away from Hava. Molly is my friend. We've known each other for a couple years. She used to live with my ex, who I'm still getting divorced from. But now we've continued being friends. And we laugh together a lot. Recently, took me to get a hamburger from McDonald's, which I feel saved my life. So Molly's great. Molly, what do you have to say about TNG? When I was a teenager, I was a really into TNG, and I almost got a tattoo of the, like, communicator thingy on my chest. They're mm-hmm. in, and it feels so lucky that I didn't do that. I don't know. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I would have respected it. I would have respected it. I mean, I have a fucking Sailor Moon tattoo, so, like, it can't have been any more bizarre than that and i got it as an adult so i have no excuse i feel like sailor moon has more broad appeal than tng uh wow listeners please weigh in on that question tng versus sailor moon call the talmud hotline with your hot takes now that's right if you're a patron you have access to the talmud hotline but only if you're a patron (laughs) that's right no judgment no judgment at all you know full disclosure i don't know anything about sailor moon zero Bunch of rubes. All right. Well, now that I've been insulted. (laughs) That's just Jewish communication. I don't know what to tell you. This is how we live. That's true. This episode is the final part of our series on Talmudic socialism. I asked Molly to come on because Molly is a gleaner of some kind. We haven't really discussed it in depth, so we will be learning soon what that means. There are several agricultural laws in the Torah that are related to gleaning, but first I just thought it would be nice to figure out what a gleaner is. Molly, what the fuck is a gleaner? 
what do you do? I just had to explain this to my roommate. I did such a bad job. Um, I'm going to try to do better here. To glean something is sort of to take what is left behind, I think, is an easy way to think about it. So okay. farmers would often leave food unharvested in the field on purpose or not on purpose. And gleaning would be to take that. I do a much more like formalized version of it. A farmer calls you to get what they left behind. And yeah. they, why did they leave it behind? A bunch of reasons. They don't have enough money to pay somebody to get it. They might have planted too much. They might be experiencing severe weather. They might have planted a crop and then had a virus attack the world. And now they don't have any workers. <laughs> yeah. When we initially discussed having you on the show... The pandemic was beginning, but I don't think we had really taken it in because we were still hanging out socially. So it'd be really interesting if your gleaning changed because of the pandemic. So in the Torah, gleaning is actually enforced on a structural level. There's laws in the Torah that mandate that certain kinds of produce, certain qualities of produce, um, you actually can't go back to the field and harvest. <clears throat> so like if there's grapes that are below a certain size that are too small to use, you're not allowed to harvest them. There's all kinds of like very specific provisions about what has to be left for the poor. And in fact, I think this is a form of gleaning. This is sort of the text I was most excited to talk about. There's this principle that if you have a field, you have to leave a corner of it completely unharvested just for the poor, which I think is really nifty that there's like mandatory. I don't know. It's not quite commons, but there's just this idea that like you have to make part of what you produce available to the community at large. In the Talmud, there's a section where the rabbis are sort of discussing this idea of leaving a corner of your field unharvested for the poor. So it's in Masechet Shabbat on Dach 23a. So it's in the section of the Talmud that's about Shabbat on page 23, side A. They say that if you have this corner of your field that you leave unharvested, it has to be on the edge where it's accessible to all. Otherwise, there's the possibility that you will only tell your poor family members where this unharvested section of the field is. Therefore, only they will benefit from it. So it's mandated that it's in a publicly accessible area to prevent nepotism from influencing this sort of economic structure. In the Talmud, we have rabbis saying... You need to leave part of the product of your work open and exposed to the public for the purpose of providing for the poor. Exactly. Do they talk about why? Like, do they get into the reasons why, or is it something they don't really go into? Yeah, I mean, in the Torah and in the Talmud, it's made pretty explicitly clear that the poor and the disabled, anyone who's not able to provide for themselves through labor is the responsibility of the community. So I imagine it's pretty intuitive to the rabbis, even if they didn't necessarily always live it out every day. I haven't actually read this whole page of Torah. I only studied this little section for this podcast, so I don't know if they get into why on this page. But in general, I think the reasoning for these kind of socialistic economic reforms were pretty obvious to them. It's pretty explicit in other areas of various texts that the community is responsible for everyone. 
Molly, when you're gleaning and you're interacting with farmers, why do they do it? Do you feel like there's a moral reason or a philosophical reason, or is it just practical on their part? For a lot of farmers, they're super overworked, don't have a lot of time in their lives to like give back or are just landowners who don't care so in my opinion i've been like very excited to have a thing that's like very easy where they can be like this food is going directly to like people that need it and i don't have to do anything except make a call there was no like formalized gleaning stuff happening in rhode island before 2018 so it doesn't really feel like something that farmers have pursued that i know of before very recently the organization you work for that does gleaning to give food to people who need it they really brought the community-minded inspiration like it was sort of just like a problem that existed and then the organization sort of came into being to try and turn that problem into something useful yeah and a lot of the farmers are like grateful that that can happen and are like excited about it but i would definitely say nobody is leaving an exposed part of their crops open Uh, to take there's a couple things that are interesting one is just like this is a very capitalistic way for things to work for there to be a private organization that does what's essentially charity work this is sort of the model that we have all these piecemeal organizations individually trying to band-aid problems whereas the torah model at least in this case is just to have a structural economic policy that mandates a certain level of provision we know archaeologically that like the society that these rabbis were coming from wasn't necessarily up to these values. You know, the poor weren't necessarily cared for. So even between this Torah worldview and the real historical world, there's a tension between the ideals and what people are actually doing. It's interesting to think about how that could work in the context of the city, just because most of these farms that I'm driving to are like pretty far away. And in this world, you can't necessarily just like walk to the farm to like get the food that you want or even take the bus there, really. Something that I have felt excited about that the organization I work for does is to pay farmers at the beginning of the season to grow specifically for hunger relief organizations, which is like good for those organizations because they can just count on it for distribution and then also really good for farmers because they can also count on it within like the system of capitalism that we're in. That to me felt like a very exciting band-aid. That's what we're about. We're about exciting (laughs) band-aids. We are powerless. That's like a great leftist thing to say. What's your favorite societal band-aid, guys? (laughs) I know. I mean, Medicare for all is just like a lovely band-aid that we all want you know uh-huh. i'll take it over nothing yeah. you know gleaning reminds me of dumpster diving totally i mean i think food not bombs which is like an anarchist organization that focuses on providing free food for people is essentially a gleaning organization in practice like a lot of food not bombs people they either actually glean from farmers or they do dumpster diving in order to cook their food so there are a lot of practical examples of gleaning in the world today. They're not socialistic in that they are not 
structural. What we need is a law that says this corner of your dumpster needs to be exposed to the street <laughs> and filled with all the food that you're throwing away. In my hometown, there was a bakery that, I'm sure this happens with all bakeries, but this is one I'm like very familiar with, where they would have a lot of bread left over at the end of the day that they would put in dumpsters, which they would then lock. Right. That's so fucked. I guess the rabbis, projecting ourselves onto them, Hava, I hope you'd agree with me <laughs> under those conditions, <laughs> the rabbis would join us in saying that's fucked you unlock your goddamn dumpster and you leave your bread in the corner yeah and just put them out where people can reach in there yeah yeah the rabbis are complicated i love them and i hate them sometimes they're sort of like i don't know if you've ever seen that meme it's like a restaurant that has signs in its window and one of the signs is like refugees are welcome here and one of the signs is like no homophobia no racism yada 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 and then the third sign says bathroom for customers only and sometimes i think the rabbis are like cleaning shabbat everyone is equal yada 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 and then they're like we are a privileged class and also like women are evil and also here's a bunch of homophobia you know i love them and i hate them you can have food but you can't be gay story of my life i think the story of your life is that you can be gay but not have food yes i know it's changed it's changed i used to have food and not be gay and then i let myself be gay and it became very hard to have food funny how that works out well we'll feed you you can glean off of me baby you can't have your <laughs> gake and eat it too post podcast announcements follow us on twitter i am on twitter at hi how are you and I'm on Twitter at MJ Sokolo, M-J-S-O-K-O-L-O. Follow us on Twitter. Join our Patreon. Call the Talmud hotline. Call the fucking hotline. Share this show on social media. Yep. I use it to live. Molly, do you want to say the name of your organization? Yeah, uh, any no, shout outs? Permission from my boss to do that. Anonymous Gleaning. Anonymous Gleaning XXX.com. Find adult gleaners in your area. Great. Yeah, so everyone do all of the things. Have a good week. Stay safe. Stay the fuck home. Mm-hmm. Molly, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Okay, Shabuatov, listeners. Bye.